0: Welcome to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast, coming to you from Gilbert, Arizona. We pray that God will bless your time as you listen. So, good news, it's my last Mass of the day. I don't have a lot of umph left. Bad news is, I know you guys don't have anywhere else to be, so I can preach as long as I want, right? Um, last weekend, I preached at the four and at the eleven about the new Vatican document, and this weekend, I preached at the seven. Father Charlie took the, um, the 9 and the 1, and so I'm, I'm here this evening, I'm going to talk about this new document. If you don't know what I'm talking about, on December 18th, the Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith published a, a document called Fiducia Supplicans on the Pastoral Meaning of Blessings. And I won't go through the document step by step. I did last weekend. And if you want to hear that homily, it's, it's on our YouTube website. It's 24 minutes. I went, went a bit long. I'm gonna try not to do that tonight. The document proposes the idea of a blessing which is non-liturgical and non-ritual for couples in irregular situations, um, including same-sex couples. And so, predictably, all the headlines were Pope approves blessings for same-sex unions. It's not quite. Pope Francis and the new document, Fiducius Supplicans, Reiterate church doctrine concerning marriage several times, very forcefully. Uh, The church doctrine is that marriage is between one man and one woman. It is stable, exclusive, and naturally open for the generation of children. That's the church's teaching on marriage. Any other forms of relationships that don't have those qualities cannot in any way be compared to the church's teaching on marriage. The document corrects a contrary practice that has been arising in Europe. This may not be known to you, but in September of 2022, the Flemish bishops, that's in Belgium, approved a liturgical ritual for giving blessings to same-sex couples. Even though they were told not to, they went ahead and did it. And the recent German Sonata Way approved a motion for the local diocese in Germany to draw up a, a ritual blessing for couples not in sacramental marriages. Again. They've been told not to do this. There was a a very precise document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith in 2021 that forbade this, and they went ahead with it anyways. So at least in the background of the document, we have to kind of keep this in mind. The document establishes a category of non-liturgical, non-ritual, non-sacramental blessings. That may not mean much to you. Uh, We see a priest or a deacon and we say, hey, can you you bless my rosary? Can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? In canon law and in our liturgical theology, the only kinds of blessings that we knew were liturgical blessings until this new document. Uh, why, Why were those the only blessings that we knew? Uh, precisely because liturgy is something that's uh, done publicly for the people, or on behalf of the people. And so part of our understanding of blessings, Father Keith doesn't have any magic powers. I don't charge your religious medals with any kind of um, um, capacity. I don't uh, imbue your rosaries with anything from on high. Um, The word blessing in most languages, it means to speak well, to speak good, benedicere, Uh, eulogia in Greek. And what we're doing in that instance is we're invoking God. We praise him for his greatness and because we trust his omnipotence his omniscience uh, his goodness his holiness we ask him to look upon this person place thing or event and um, and to use it as a moment to give an actual grace that helps dispose us as Catholics for the fruitful reception of the sacrament It's another technical um, distinction we make. Sacraments, the ones that Jesus instituted, you know the seven, those give us what's called sanctifying grace. The grace received from that, it actually makes us holy. It makes us beautiful. It makes us pleasing to God's eye. Sacramentals, and that's what The blessings that we knew before are are liturgical and they obtain from God very specific particular graces that are not sanctifying graces. In other words, those blessings don't make us more holy. They dispose us with grace that helps us to act in such a way that we can receive more fully sanctifying grace when we receive the sacraments. That's how liturgical blessings work. These new pastoral blessings, the non-liturgical, non-ritual blessings, do not give approval to irregular unions. They don't bless the union. They don't bless the relationship. Um, after receiving one, one isn't suddenly then in uh, a good state with the church on account of this pastoral blessing. And they are regulated very carefully by the document. The document, Fiducia Supplicans, says that um, priests who are not obliged to, to give pastoral blessings but are asked to use prudence and wisdom to discern the circumstances where a priest might bestow one of these pastoral blessings, and should always be done without giving any cause for scandal or confusion. They're supposed to be spontaneous, in other words, there's no ritual. There's no set form of words. Um, There's no uh, kind of dress that we wear. There's there's nothing in a book for me to look up. They're spontaneous. And so it would be contrary to the decision of the document to arrange a public moment of blessing. Um, Like most of you have probably seen, the, the infamous Jesuit priest... Uh, who immediately upon the document came out, broke the regulations of this document in several ways. One, he made it a public affair. Uh, He he invited a photographer and a reporter from the New York Times to witness it so that it ended up on the front page. Um, He's the one that initiated the blessing, not the couple. He texted the couple, hey, you want a blessing for your marriage. So he caused both scandal and confusion precisely because he didn't follow what the document said. The couples that ask for these pastoral blessings, couples in irregular situations, that means cohabiting, shacking up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, being in only a civil marriage, or divorced and remarried outside of the church, or in a same-sex relationship, and we don't have this much here, but it's common in Africa, in a polygamous marriage. They still deal with that there. Any of those couples, if they ask for one of these pastoral blessings, are supposed to be those who are seeking help in conforming their lives to the gospel. Those who do not seek a legitimation of their own status. Finally, these blessings are not liturgical, nor even semi-liturgical. They are to avoid clothes, gestures, words proper to liturgical rites. They cannot be given in the context of a civil marriage ceremony, nor even connected to it in any way. Nor can they use any of the the prayers or the gestures or the clothing proper to a wedding. Okay. Uh, Shortly after the document, Uh, some weeks, Um, Cardinal Fernandez issued a press release with some clarifications because of the confusion that was around this and uh, I found rather helpful, he gave an example of what he's talking about. He said, let us imagine there's a, a couple who are divorced and remarried and they're out of work and they they come to the priest and say, Father, um, you know, we're out of work, we're really struggling, could you give us a blessing? This is the example that he would give. Lord, look at these children of yours. Grant them health, work, peace, and mutual help. Free them from everything that contradicts your gospel and allow them to live according to your will. Amen. And then the sign of a cross is made individually over both persons. Okay. So a number of things. Mm. You may have been shocked by the headlines in the news. Uh, I, I would just remind you when was the last time that the mainstream media got our Catholic faith right? Right? Um, whenever you see something in the news like that, always wait. Because <laughs> it's, it's almost never what they say it is. Right? Um, secondly, I, I understand that this may be something that's uh, quite difficult. Uh, to get your mind wrapped around. What's going on here? Mm. These documents are principally meant for priests and bishops. That's why you guys send us away for eight years to learn all the technical jargon so that we can read these things appropriately. Uh, I wish I could say, look, just leave it to priests and bishops. Uh, unfortunately we are in a time when I can't say that I actually have to tell you as difficult as it might be you should probably read the documents just so that you've seen for yourself what it says and what it doesn't say that way you can measure what you see in the New York Times or what you hear from Father Keith at the pulpit against what the document actually says, so that you know what the church is on about. Okay. Mm. I would understand this document then as saying, to the Flemish and the German bishops, here's how far we can go, and no further. And that's why it creates all of these distinctions and careful guards that are supposed to help keep this from becoming what it is, in fact, becoming. Now, that's not to say I don't have technical questions. Um, As I told some of you who were present for my Wednesday talk, I actually did my STB thesis on the book of blessings. And uh, now I would have to go back to that thesis and add a whole nother chapter for a category of blessings that didn't exist when I wrote it. That means I have some technical questions about what this is and how it works and what it concerns. And theologians are going to have to tease this out in the coming months and years uh, to get a a fuller sense of what's going on here. I can say, it's my opinion, there's no heresy. There's no change of church doctrine. Okay? It is a change of praxis, to be certain, but I, I don't see heresy in it. And this is one of the difficulties that we're dealing with over this new document. There are some who say, there's nothing to see here. There's nothing new. And if you're worried or concerned or confused, well, you really shouldn't be. Uh, To that I say, they're gaslighting. This is something quite new. It's a whole new category of blessings. (laughs) There are others who say, finally the church is moving in the right direction. It's not all that we want. But it's a step forward. And I say to those people, you haven't read the document. The document couldn't be more forceful that church doctrine concerning marriage has not changed. Okay. Hmm. Let's discuss practically what this looks like. If after Mass, in my vestments, a couple in an irregular union were to come to me and ask me to give them a blessing, I would have to say no. According to the document, the blessings cannot be liturgical or even semi-liturgical. And when I'm wearing liturgical garb, it's liturgical. If a couple were to come to me outside of liturgy and say, Father, can you bless my marriage? I would have to say, no, I cannot. The document does not allow me to bless civil unions. That isn't what this is about. If a couple were to say to me, "Hmm, Father, we just started coming back to church. We've been here for the past three Sundays. And we feel really convicted. We're, We're undergoing a conversion. But, you know, our lives are intertwined. Can you pray for me? To follow the gospel. To accept the lights that Christ is leading me. That's the kind of circumstance that the document is talking about. Okay? Understood in that way, I have absolutely no problem with this idea of a pastoral blessing. Okay. Some people are still very concerned about it. Uh, because they see in it, or they suspect in it, a kind of incrementalism. Here's what I will say to that. I can give you some peace. Whatever my questions on technical matters or my concerns, uh, whenever the magisterium puts out a document, I read it carefully and closely. And I do my best to interpret it in accordance with the deposit of faith once for all handed to the saints. And if I can't bring about harmony between those things, the problem is usually in me. Why do I say that? The Holy Catholic Church was founded by Jesus Christ, our Savior. It is his, and no one else's. He has given the church the promise of the charism of indefectibility. It cannot fail. There's been other times in church history where there's been tensions and confusions and misunderstandings. In the fourth century, somewhere around two-thirds of the episcopacy actually held the semi-Aryan heresy. In the Reformation in England, only three bishops in the whole of England refused to acknowledge the adulterous marriage and to accept the decree of the king's supremacy over the church in England, only three. In the Middle Ages, there was a schism in the Western church Three different men claimed to be Pope. And we have two saints who chose different popes as the true Pope to follow. They weren't sure. There was great confusion. All these things will be resolved. They always are. So, in all things, hold fast to the faith that we have received from the apostles. Stay close to the Holy Gospels. Participate in the divine mysteries of the sacraments. That's where our hope lies. Now, I do have some criticisms of the document, right? Um, Putting out a document of this sort without a, a wide consultation with the bishops of the world seems a bit foolish to me. They could have saved themselves some of the storms if the bishops were already prepared for for what was going to come. And putting it out on December 18th, when pastors are trying to get ready for Christmas, that's pretty imprudent, right? Okay. The final thing I want to say, and I, I think this is really where it's coming from, uh, pope Francis, since he's been Pope, has often spoken of going out to the peripheries. Uh, and in this, he's, he's following Jesus. right? The good shepherd leaves the 99 to go in search of the one. He's trying to find a way uh, for all kinds of people to feel like the church cares for them, has something for them, without pretending that we don't believe what it is that we believe and nevertheless finding some pastoral way to bring them closer to the heart of the church, which is something that we all should want. The goal here isn't to simply just give a blessing and send people along their way. Uh, The goal is to bring people closer to the church to accompany them pastorally so that I as pastor might say why don't you come to my office and talk to me let me hear your story let me know your situation let's see what can be done we don't want to um, be gatekeepers of a sort uh, I don't know too many priests who actually do this, but there does seem to be some out there. We want to welcome people but not to welcome people without them understanding that the encounter with Christ transforms your life and that the grace that he offers you is actually sufficient to free you from captivity to every kind of sin so when we invite people into the church we're not inviting them um, go get your life together and become perfect and then you can be a Catholic we're actually inviting them come on in with the rest of us broken, weak limited sinners and get to know the Lord and his holy gospels I hope this is helpful for some of you to understand the document and put it into some context. Um, I'd like to ask you to pray for your priest, that uh, in this time of confusion, uh, they're, they're given prudence and wisdom to discern appropriately the strength to stand up for what's right according to the gospel and the strength to do what is for the pastoral good of every sinner to invite them to encounter the crucified and risen Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast. For additional podcasts and media, visit us on the web at www.StAnneAZ.org. Again, that's www.StAnneAZ.org. St. St. Anne, pray for us.